the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit on God. Amen. We will continue studying the Gospel of St. Matthew. We are in chapter 26. We will start from verse 47. As you know, this chapter is uh, the chapter discussing the Last Supper, the uh, arrest of our Lord Jesus Christ, and also the denial of St. Peter. So let's start reading from verse 47. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. As you know, after the mystical supper, the Lord Jesus Christ went to the Garden of Gethsemane with three of his disciples, St. Peter, St. John, and St. James. And he started uh, his, uh, he prayed three times at night, and the disciples actually slept and they could not stay up with him. Then, after the third time, he went and woke up the disciples and told them, Behold, the one who betrays me is approaching. From verse 47, now we read about the betrayal and the arrest in Gethsemane. The account of Jesus being betrayed by Judas is recorded by all the evangelists. You can find this story in the four Gospels. And as we know from the Gospel of St. John chapter 18 and verse 2, that Judas knew the place where the Lord would go to pass the night. So Judas knew already the place where he was. That's why he took the uh, officers of the chief priests to go to arrest the Lord Jesus Christ. St. Matthew said Judas, one of the twelve. Why he mentioned one of the twelve? To mark his dishonorable ingratitude and wickedness. Although he was one of the twelve disciples, who were very close to the Lord Jesus Christ, but now he is a traitor. Judas was at the head of a great multitude, but he went before them to show them where Christ was and to deliver the Lord into their hands. Apparently Judas had not been asleep. He had been with the chief priests all night. Judas wished to give them a sign because Jesus had before been apprehended and had escaped from them on account of their ignorance of his person. At the time there was no pictures so maybe they even heard about Jesus but they did not know how he looked like. So several times before they wanted to arrest him, but he escaped because they didn't know uh, how he looks like. Uh, but now actually, Judas gives them this sign, a kiss. Uh, and by this sign, he would tell them, this is the person, Jesus Christ, whom you want to arrest. But St. John Chrysostom said, even with this sign, even if they knew how he looks like, if the Lord wanted to escape, he would be able to escape. So here the Lord gave himself or allowed them to arrest him by 
his own will and by his own authority. And the sign as arranged was to be simply a kiss. Uh, and apparently the kiss was also accompanied with embraces to ensure that there should be no mistake as to the person intended. So he kissed him and embraced him to make sure for them that he is the person intended to be arrested. Uh, then let's read from verse uh, 49. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid the hand on Jesus and took him. Apparently, Judas was demonstrative in his salutation more than usual. There is a psalm chanted twice in the Holy Week about the betrayal of Judas. Psalm 55 verse 21. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet were they drawn swords. So the Psalms say, Judas, his words are smoother than butter, are softer than oil, yet there was war in his heart. Actually, there was a sword in his heart against the Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as he appeared before the rest, could come up. So Judas, Judas was walking before them. He went before them as St. Luke said. Why he went before them? At least for two reasons. First reason, to guide them and to direct them to the person they wanted. But there is another reason. He separated himself from them that it might not be thought that he came with them or belonged to them. As if he is not one of them. He is not their guide. That's why he went before them. When the Lord said to him, friend, the Greek word denotes not friendship, but companionship. Uh, in Arabic, ya sahib, ma'alush ya sadiq. Sahib means like just a companion. And actually this word was used in rebuke, like in Matthew 20 verse 13 and in Matthew 22 verse 12, when the master rebuked the one who kept the talent, he used the same word. Friend here, which in, in the Greek uh, language, the original language of the New Testament, doesn't mean friendship but companionship. Uh, Judas said to him, Rabbi, uh, so when the Lord actually told him friend, he was responding to what Judas told him, Rabbi. As if the Lord is telling him, Are you my disciple? Are you my disciple? You have been in companionship with me for three years, and now you are betraying me? St. Luke in his Gospel added that the Lord said to him, Are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? But St. Matthew said that the Lord said to Judas, why have you come? This question, not because Jesus was ignorant why he had come, but he asked this question to fill the mind of Judas 
with the consciousness of his crime and by a striking question to compel him to think of what he was doing as if he is telling him are you sure you want to do this? why have you come? are you coming to betray me? are you coming to betray me after being my disciple for three years? then the multitude laid hands on the Lord Jesus Christ but St. John said before they arrested him the Lord asked the multitude whom are you seeking? so they said Jesus of Nazareth so the Lord said I am he when he said I am he they returned it to the back and fell so before they laid hand on him the Lord actually proved to them his supreme power by which they had all been struck down to the earth all of them they fell down so here when the Lord allowed them to arrest him this was done by his authority by his own will if he did not allow them to do this they wouldn't be able to allow uh, to arrest him and actually when we read the account of the betrayal the arrest the trial the crucifixion we need to observe the heroic behavior of our lord jesus christ in the whole period of suffering let us think and reflect on with what composure does he go forth to meet Judas the traitor with what calmness receive them that malignant kiss from Judas with what dignity does he deliver himself into the hands of his enemies yet plainly showing his superiority over them when he said I am he it is strange that after this they should dare to approach him yes it is strange after they witnessed his supreme power they arrest him but as the bible says the scriptures must be fulfilled uh, verse 51 and suddenly one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear but Jesus said to him put your sword in its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword or do you think that I cannot now pray to my father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels how then could the scriptures be fulfilled that it must happen thus although this account was mentioned in the four gospels but only Saint John record the name of the disciple who withdrew the sword and the person uh, the, the servant whom his ear was cut off the disciple was Saint Peter and the name of the servant was Malchus on the mystical supper after the mystical supper the Lord said to the disciple he who has not a sword let him buy one apparently Peter did not understand what the Lord said maybe he, he thought that the Lord wanted them to use their swords but actually the Lord was speaking about a spiritual sword or giving them a warning that there will be uh, approaching danger 
But Peter asked the Lord, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? But before he hears an answer, he struck without waiting for an answer. And he cut off the ear of Malchus. The Lord responded immediately. Why the Lord responded immediately to the action of Peter? Actually, not only to rebuke Peter for cutting off the ear of this servant, but to soften the mind of multitude who must have been angry at such an action. Can you imagine when Peter withdrew the sword and cut off? It could be turned into a war. And in this war, all the 12 disciples, or the 11th, if we exclude the, uh, Judas, could, could have been killed. So the Lord wanted to calm everybody. So not only to rebuke Peter, but he wanted to calm the multitude. And actually, had it not been for this word and Christ's action by healing the ear of the servant, uh, and also because he had a powerful influence, because he is God upon them, uh, it was probably would expect that Peter with the rest of the disciples maybe they could have been destroyed at once during this war. But the Lord with his words and by healing the servant ear, he was able to calm down the multitude. So the, Jesus told him that his unseasonable and imprudent defense might be the occasion of his own destruction. When he told him, those who use the sword by the sword will be perished. In doing it, he would endanger his life, for they who took the sword perish by the sword. And most probably this was a proverb denoting that they who engaged in wars commonly perish by sword in the war. But Jesus gave another reason why he should not use the sword. Not because, not only because if he uses the sword, he will be killed by sword, but he told him, if it were the will of God that his son Jesus Christ should be rescued, it could be done in a different way. God the Father would have sent 12 legions or more to defend the Lord Jesus Christ. And why 12? 12 in reference to the number of Jesus Christ and the 11 apostles that remained if we exclude Judas. And a legion was a division of Roman army amounting more than 6,000 men. So 12 legion means 12 by 6,000. So we are speaking about 72,000 angels. So the Lord said, God the Father would send one legion for each of the 11 apostles and one legion for Jesus Christ himself. Divine resources are boundless. So he could have been evaded the enemies had he chosen. If he wanted to escape them, this was possible. The angels would have come to his rescue if he wanted it. But he gave himself unto death in order to save us. For this reason he came and he was incarnated and became man. Verse 55. In that hour Jesus said to the multitude, Have you come out as against a rubber with swords and clubs to take me? I sat daily with you, teaching in the temple, and you did not seize me. But all this was done that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. 
and those who had laid hold of Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Actually, the Lord was accused many times and they attacked the Lord Jesus Christ many times. But among all the indignities heaped upon Jesus by his enemies, the only one that he complains of is that he should be bound like a rubber. When he told them in verse 51, have you come out as against a rubber with swords and clubs to take me? The reason why the Jewish princes did not seize our Lord in the temple, he asked them, I sat with you daily in the temple. Why you did not seize me? Because they feared the multitude. Uh, so now the Lord Jesus Christ went to this garden away from the multitude in order to give them an opportunity of time and place to arrest him. And thus showing all of us, the whole world, that without his permission, they could not so much as lay a finger upon him. So by choosing the time and place, he gave them permission to arrest him. St. John Chrysostom says, the evangelist informs us in the following verse, of the reason of this conduct, that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. The 11 apostles, who a little while before thought they never could forsake the Lord, fled away as soon as he was seized. You know, after the mystical supper, all the disciples said to the Lord Jesus Christ, we will never deny you, we will never forsake you. But once the Lord was arrested, all of them fled away. St. Peter and St. John followed after a distance, after a safe distance. In the Gospel of St. Mark, we read that a young man followed with nothing on but a linen clothes. According to St. Luke, these words were at but this even this young man when they tried to arrest him he left the linen clothes and fled away naked and many commentators say this person was St. Mark himself uh, when the Lord said have you come out as against rubber to whom he said these words according to St. Luke these words were addressed to the chief priests and captains of the temple and elders, where it appears that some members of the Sanhedrin had in their evil seas joined the capture. St. Luke also adds that the Lord said to them, This is your hour and the power of darkness. Power of darkness is Satan. Uh, The Lord Jesus Christ had 12 disciples who professed unbreakable attachment to him. But let us see what happened to these 12 disciples. One of them, Judas, betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. Another, Peter, denied the Lord with oath. And the rest ran away and completely abandoned him to his cruel enemies. How many of us, when attachment to the Lord Jesus Christ would lead us to danger, would leave him and flee? Many times, although we say we are believers, who are disciples of Jesus, who are the followers of Jesus, but when our life is in danger because of this attachment, we do like the disciples and we leave him. 
We never know our hearts upon the prospect of great trials until we come to struggle with them and to be engaged in them. Then we will see whether we are faithful disciples and followers or not. Here St. Matthew says they led him to Caiaphas. Uh, but St. John mentioned that he went to Annas before Caiaphas. So our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, was led in night time both to Annas, high priest first, and then to Caiaphas. St. John only, he is the only one who mentioned that the Lord was taken to Annas. Because St. John was known to the high priest, that's why he mentioned this preliminary examination before Annas. It was obviously intended to examine him and to draw from his lips something that might serve as basis for an accusation. So they took him to Annas and to Kiafa in order to uh, draw from his mouth any word that can be taken against him as an accusation to justify his death. And it was against the rules of the Jewish law to hold a session of Sanhedrin or council for trial of capital offenses by night. So when they took him to Annas and Kaifas, this was not formal examination or trial. It was informal because it was against the Jewish law. So this assembly was therefore informal one. And by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ had six trials, three religious and three civil. The three religious, first one before Annas, second one before Qiyafa, third one before the Sanhedrin. And the three civil, first one before Pilate. Then when Pilate knew he's from Galilee, he sent him to Herod, the second one. Then Herod sent him back to Pilate. So the Lord was tried six times. Three times religious trials and three times civil trials. Uh, verse 58 but Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard and he went in and sat with the servants to see the end apparently Peter had fled at first with the others but because of his love and his affection uh, so he returned back to see what would happen to his beloved master. But he followed the crowd at a safe distance and afterward he was joined by St. John. So Peter and John followed but at a safe distance. Then when they took the Lord Jesus Christ to the courtyard apparently St. John appears to have entered the court with the guard that held the Lord Jesus Christ because he was known to the high priest but St. Peter remained outside until he was introduced by St. John who was known to the servant who kept the door so when they arrived to the courtyard John was able to enter but Peter stood outside then John came and he knew the servant who was standing at the door So he allowed Peter also to enter with him. The servants were the officers of the Sanhedrin and the high priest's servant. And St. Peter sat there to see the result of the examination. This verse, verse 58, but Peter followed him at a distance, This verse actually was interrupting the course of the narrative. But why St. Matthew inserted this verse here? 
in order to prepare the way for the account of the denial of Peter, to tell us Peter would be. Unfortunately, many of us imitate St. Peter. They are afraid to follow the Lord Jesus Christ closely. They fear danger, ridicule, or persecution if they follow the Lord Jesus Christ closely. That's why they follow him. But it is at a great distance, so far that it is difficult to discern that they are his followers. We may measure our faithfulness by our desire to be with him, to be like him, and by our willingness to follow him always through trials, persecution, and death. Verse 59. Now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at least two false witnesses came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. The word sought in the Greek language implies continued process of seeking. The chief priests and elders was to examine and to dictate to detect false witnesses. Their actually job was to detect false witnesses and to inflict the same punishment upon them which they by which they by their false testimony intended to have brought on another, as we read in Deuteronomy nineteen verse eighteen. So the job of the high of the chief priests to detect any false witness. And then the same punishment they should be inflicted on them. But here actually we can find the opposite. And instead of punishing the false witnesses, now they are seeking any false witness against the Lord Jesus Christ, they encouraging it in order to put the Lord Jesus Christ to death. Because they were determined, right or wrong, to put him to death, even by a false witness. There were many who presented themselves to bear witness against Jesus. Yet the Sanhedrin did not find what it wanted to find, because of the lack of the agreement between two of the witnesses at least. Because the, the law required at least that there has to be agreement at least between two witnesses. Then finally, they came and said, the Lord said to, two witnesses came and said, the Lord said, destroy the temple of God. Actually, the Lord did not say this. If you read John chapter 2, verse 19, the Lord was saying, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Uh, but they said, the Lord said, I am able to destroy the temple of God. So even these words were not accurate. The Lord was speaking about the temple of his body, not the temple of Solomon, not the materialistic temple. And if they paid attention, uh, sufficient attention to the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, they would easily have perceived that the Lord was speaking about the temple of his body, not about the temple of God. Verse 62 And the high priest arose and said to him, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? But Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you said. 
Nevertheless, I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. So apparently the Lord Jesus Christ was silent because the question of the high priest implies a long continued silence while witnesses after witness were expressing their tricky falsehoods. The high priest rose up from his seat in great wrath and anger. Why he was angry? Partly because they could get better testimony. He was angry because they could not bring two false witnesses in agreement so they can put the Lord Jesus to death and partly because of the silence of the Lord Jesus Christ and he was giving no answer to the witnesses why the Lord was silent because the Lord knew that his hour has come and therefore defense would be of no use he had often before he defended himself and he bore sufficient testimony to the truth but they did not believe him our savior knew perfectly that whatever he said would be condemned whatever he would say they would condemn it and therefore the more Jesus was silent to what was alleged against him the more did the high priest try to exhort an answer from him that he might have some accusation against the Lord of glory according to St. Luke Christ before answering directly said to them if I tell you you will by no means believe so the Lord told them why should I speak if I tell you you will by no means believe but him then he put him under oath and he told to him I put you under oath by the living God tell us if you are Christ so Jesus was morally bound to answer here and he should not continue to be silent so this was an important opportunity to declare himself to be the Messiah because if he continued to be silent under oath this could be interpreted as if he is denying that he is the Messiah. That's why the Lord answered and said, it is as you said, yes, I am the Messiah. But then he told them, but let me tell you something more important. What is something more important? When he told them, from now you will see the Son of Man, Hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. What does this mean? The Lord is saying, you know, what is the future of the Son of Man? I will be, we will change places. Now you are the judges and I'm, I am in trial. But the time will come in which I will be the judge and you will be the prisoners at the bar and I will judge you when I come on the clouds you know at the right hand of the Father so the changes will be switched now you are the judge but later on in my second coming I will be the judge I am, I am the Christ I am the promised Messiah and you and this whole nation shall shortly have the fullest proof of it when I rise from the dead. You shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of the power, fully invested with absolute dominion and coming in the clouds of heaven to execute judgment upon this wicked race. And apparently the Lord was referring to the prophecy of Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. So he is also referring to the final judgment here. How the high priest reacted to this? Verse 65. Then the high priest 
tore his cloak, saying, has spoken blasphemy. What further need do we have of witnesses? Look now, you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? The answered and said, he is deserving of death. The rendering of high priest garment was expressly contrary to the law. The high priest should not tear his garment. But in the case of blasphemy or in public calamity, it is allowable. So the high priest here when he heard what he considered as blasphemy, he tore his clothes. But there is a prophetic meaning here, which is the end of the priesthood of Levi. And this was the end of the priesthood of Levi. So it was in general a common method of expressing violent grief. And it was customary with the Jews whenever they hear any blasphemy, uttered against God to render to rend their garments in hatred and disapproval of what was said. And here the high priest wanted to get a vote but not in a formal way. What do you think he deserved? And the answer, he is deserving death. This was the punishment pronounced by the law on blasphemy. The death according to Acts chapter 7 verse 58 should be by stoning stoning the stoning sentence was used before the Jews became subject to Romans so they used to stone the person as they did with Saint Stephen they stoned him but after the Roman occupation after the, the Jews were occupied by the Roman Empire the power of inflicting capital punishment was taken away from them. Yet they retained the form when they expressed their opinion of the guilt of an offender. So when the Jews were occupied by the Roman Empire, they cannot inflict the capital punishment, although they can say he should die in this way. Uh, their meeting or this assembly which condemned the Lord Jesus Christ to death was not a regular council of, of Sanhedrin because it was not held in the appointed chamber and also was conducted at night and as I told you this criminal processes was forbidden by night that's why there was meeting next morning when the whole Sanhedrin uh, met together, was convened for the purpose of considering what, how this informal sentence should be executed. So, as I told you, there were three religious trials. The first two, before Annas and Caiaphas, they were informal. But the last one, before the Sanhedrin, it was the formal one. Before Caiaphas, this was the second trial, because the first examination was also informal before Annas. And this examination was mentioned only by Saint John in John chapter 18. And the third one uh, was mentioned by Saint Luke at the dawn of the day. At the dawn of the day, because as I told you, uh, it was forbidden to do trial by night because a decision by Sanhedrin at night was illegal. This meeting only confirmed the one in the morning, the decision reached at night before three o'clock in the morning. Uh, and St. Matthew referred to this meeting in chapter 27, verse one. verse 67 then they spat in his face and beat him 
and others struck him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy to us, Christ, who is the one who struck you? Why they did that? This was done as a mark of the most profound hatred. We learn from the Gospel of St. Mark and the Gospel of St. Luke that these acts of outrage were carried out not by the member of the Sanhedrin, but by the officers who had the Lord Jesus Christ in their custody and who, it would seem, took advantage of the time between the two meetings of the council to indulge in this unjustifiable cruelty. So, after Cleophas finished the trial, there was a time until the dawn where the Sanhedrin met. So, during this time, the Lord was given to the officers to be in their custody. So, during this time, they spat on him and they beat him up. So, here also, they, they were unconsciously working out a complete correspondence with Isaiah's picture of the righteous sufferer. They did not know they are fulfilling the prophecy. Actually, what they did to him was mentioned in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 6. Spitting was considered among the Jews as an expression of the greatest condescension to put somebody down. Even to spit before another was regarded as an offense and treated as such by heathen also, by the Gentiles. They offered him indignity in all its various and offensive forms. They beat him up. They uh, ridiculed him. They spat on him. And the Lord Jesus bore all of this with meekness, without even one word of reply. Their conduct towards the Lord Jesus Christ now was expressly prophesied of by Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. So, the Lord actually, uh, by when he endured all of this, actually he was fulfilling what was mentioned by Isaiah. And the Jews cannot deny the prophecy of Isaiah. As we read in Mark and Luke, they had previously blindfolded him. And now after they blindfolded him, so they, are, they mockingly bid him to name the person who struck him, as if they are saying, Christ, and they calling him Christ in sarcasm. You call yourself Christ, the prophet of God. Well, then tell us by divine inspiration, miraculously, without seeing, because now you ha you ha your eyes are uh, blinded. Tell us without seeing who is the one that smote you? Verse 69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And little later, those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also are one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began 
to curse and swear saying, I do not know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the word of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. This story was mentioned in the four Gospels, the betrayal, sorry, the denial of Peter. The accounts of the four Gospels may differ slightly, but in spite of this difference, there is agreement between the four Gospels. So we can say this witness is honest witness, which allow some differences in the minor details, especially in a scene full of commotion and significant incident. So when we read the differences between the four Gospels, we should not be disturbed, because even in the courts, if two witnesses agreed in the major details and had differences in the minor details, this is allowed. And this will not actually discredit their testimony. While the preliminary examination were being held before Kephas and the Sanhedrin, Peter and John entered the court of the palace. Let me explain. I want you to imagine how it is done. The palace was like a quadrangle, four uh, building, like square. In the middle was the court. So the court was open square enclosed by the palace, which was built in a quadrangle all around it. From it, from the court, doors and windows open into the rooms built around it. So Peter, if he's standing in the court in the middle, he can look at the room, he can look through the windows or the doors and see the Lord Jesus Christ. So although he was not inside the palace, but yet because he was in the interior court, he could see and hear through the open door the proceedings in the hall. Uh, and oriental houses are still built with this interior court in the middle. A servant girl came, but we don't know why she suspected him. Maybe because of his language. He was at this time in the interior court and is said by St. Luke to have been standing among them by the fire that had been kindled in the courtyard on account of the cold night, chilliness of the night. And St. Peter actually, although uh, he uh, denied the Lord Jesus Christ, but we can see in his repentance outstanding faithfulness how he wept bitterly and now this is example to all of us uh, when actually we deny the Lord Jesus Christ with our actions the denial happened three times this was the first set of accusation and denial uh, and here St. Peter replied in the first time, I don't know what you are talking about. So the ambiguous denial was made fervently and openly so that all the people heard it. Not only this servant girl, but everybody in the court heard the denial of Peter when he said, I do not know what you are saying. This is almost a denial of allegation made. Though in an indirect way implies, I do not know what you are alluding to. I'm not his disciples. It doesn't seem that he would have incurred any danger if he boldly confessed his discipleship to the Lord Jesus Christ. So this denial was unnecessary. 
if he said to her, yes, I am one of his disciples, he wouldn't face any danger. Because St. John was known to be a disciple, and he was with Jesus of Galilee, and he did not face any danger. But St. Peter, alarmed with the accusation, he denied and then he was brought into the porch. What is a porch? It is an archive passage that led from outside into the inner court. So for example, if this is the palace and this is the inner court, so there is like archive uh, passage from which they enter into the inner court. So St. Peter, in order to save himself the headache of accusation, so he left the interior court and went into the gateway or the porch. So another maid followed St. Peter and repeated the accusation. In both cases, the charges were based on assumption. Uh, because before he followed at a distance, now he denies so we can see how a person will move from one sin to another. If we started following the Lord Jesus Christ at a distance, not close enough, the second step will be, will be denying him. St. Luke said that the second denial happened one hour later. Uh, St. John said that the third accusation, the third time, was made by a relative of Malchus. Uh, Malchus is the, the servant whom the Lord healed his ear. And this relative asserted that he saw St. Peter in the garden. St. Mark says they accused him because of the Galilean dialect. Uh, because most of the disciples of Jesus were Galileans. That's why this, his dialect drew attention to him. St. Peter now was irritated beyond endurance. He could no longer resist the evidence that he was known because of his speech and his language. So, First time he said, I don't know what you are talking about. Second time he replied or denied with an oath. Third time, not only with an oath, he repeated that uh, uh, he didn't know Christ, but now he affirms with curses of divine wrath on him if he spoke not the truth. Which means he said, may God do this for me and do this for me and inflict this upon me if I am lying. And I want you to see here. Now he started by following Jesus at distance. Then he denied. Then he denied with an oath. Then he denied with oaths and curses. So his first simple denial was succeeded by an oath and those was succeeded the third time by curses. I want you to see how one fall draws on another and generally a deeper one. So to a simple untruth, now he added perjury. And to this horrible condemnations against himself, when he say cursed himself if he is not saying the truth. His faith had failed when he saw his master apparently helpless in the hand of his enemies. He, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ apparently helpless. They spat on him and they beat him up. And in these few words, he committed a great sin. In few words, he committed a great sin. Now, the rooster crowed. This was at the opening of the fourth watch of the morning, about three o'clock in the morning. 
The cock actually often crows about midnight or not longer after. And again, always about the third hour after midnight. So usually the rooster calls one time at midnight and another time around 3 a.m. This shows that the second trial of the Lord Jesus Christ took place before the dawn. So the first and second one took place, the trials took place at night. St. Luke said, the Lord turned and looked upon St. Peter. But also St. Peter was looking at the Lord. Because how Peter knew that the Lord looked upon him if Peter was not looking at the Lord. So it appeared he was near to our Lord either at the time when the cook crow or shortly after. When the, look, when the eye contact happened, he must be reproached and alarmed. Otherwise, he will proceed yet further in his iniquity. However, the Lord rebuked him just by eye contact with tenderness and love. The look of the Lord Jesus Christ broke his heart. So he left the place where he had sinned and he left the company which had been the occasion of his transgression. And this is a, a lesson for us to leave the place where we sin and to leave the place is a company that causing us to transgress. St. Peter felt bitter anguish of soul which was evidenced by the tears of contrition which flowed plentifully from his eyes. He wept bitterly. The fall of St. Peter is recorded by the four evangelists is high proof of their honesty. They were willing to tell the truth as it was, to conceal no facts, even if it was made by them and against themselves. They mentioned their own faults without attempting to appear better than the rest of the people. Also, St. Peter's denial was recorded so that all of us, we may not despair when we sin. And if we repent like Peter with a repentant heart, God actually, because of his infinite tenderness and compassion, would accept us and forgive us our sins. Judas sinned, betrayed, and sold the Lord Jesus Christ because of greed. Afterward, he was sorrowful. But his, this sorrow was not godly sorrow. It was the sorrow of the world, as St. Paul mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He lost hope that God would forgive him. That's why his sorrow led to death. It was just a remorse, not repentance. That's why he went and hanged himself. But St. Peter, it was not only a remorse, there was repentance here. And this repentance was attested by the bitterness of his tears, by his humble submission to the Lord's subsequent rebuke when he told him, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than this after his resurrection? and by his subsequent courage in confessing Christ in the face of threatening anger, danger, when after the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ, they arrested Peter and the disciples and asked them uh, not to mention the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, by Peter refused, they beat them up by Peter who was steadfast in his faith. So we should draw from St. Peter's denial important lessons to us. First lesson, the danger of self-confidence. Peter was very self-confident. Even if everybody denies you, I will not deny you. Let us put our confidence in God, not in ourselves. When a man begins to sin, his fall from one act to another is easy and perhaps almost certain. He followed the Lord at distance, 
then he denied, then he denied with oath, then he denied with oath and curses. True repentance is deep, thorough, and bitter. There is bitterness in it. When we sin, when we fall into temptation, let us retire from the world as St. Peter left the place and the company. Let's retire from the world, seek the place of solitude, and pour out our sorrow before God. To show a believer his weakness, to check self-confidence, and to produce dependence on Jesus Christ, one may be permitted to show how weak and feeble and rash he is. Uh, the last point uh, I like to, to say how the conviction of our Lord Jesus Christ was illegal according to the law at that time. Throughout the whole course of the trial, the rules of the Jewish law of procedure were grossly violated, and the accused, the Lord Jesus Christ, was deprived of rights belonging even to the meanest citizen. He was arrested in the night, bound as a malefactor, beaten before his arrangement, and struck in open court during the trial. All this was violation to the law. He was tried on a feast day and before sunrise against the law. He was compelled to criminate himself, and this under an oath, when he told him, tell me, I put you under oath, of solemn judicial adjuration, and he was sentenced on the same day of conviction. In all these particulars, the law was wholly disregarded. This concludes chapter 26, and as I told you, this chapter has many, many uh, incidents that happened uh, and was concluded by the denial of St. Peter. Glory be to God forever and ever. Thank you.